HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Comte Cheese Association. Comte, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at comte-usa.com. That's C-O-M-T-E hyphen USA.com. It's the final stretch of 2022 and HRN needs your help. Become an HRN member with a donation of any amount at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Hello, everyone. I am Carlos Escas, your guest host for today. Over the past two years, I have been seen huge changes in the industry. Before the start of the pandemic, the cheese industry seemed to have reached a plateau. Big companies were buying medium companies and smaller companies were struggling to reach new audiences. But there wasn't a lot of growth in the category. All that changed in March, 2020. At the start of the pandemic, many cheese companies who had focused on food service lost their core businesses from one day to the next. Many struggled to pivot to online sales and are today suffering the consequences. Others were able to grow, finding new channels for sales, and have been transformed into bigger companies. Today, the cheese industry is very different, and the people in it are increasingly diverse. I remember I was invited by Kara Warren to be the new voice of the podcast to bring in a more diverse approach. During my introduction as a host in September 2020, we talked about what I saw in the industry. Over the 19 episodes that follow, I tried to document some of the most important issues today. I hosted five episodes on raw milk, three episodes on cultures and natural cheese making, six episodes on how volunteers, organizations, judges, and experts shape our industry, two episodes with U.S. cheesemakers redefining our idea of a traditional cheesemaking, and two episodes giving voice to producers outside of the U.S. The interviews I conducted and the thinking done before and after the shows have reinvigorated my appetite to learn more. I hope they have done the same for you. This is my last episode as a guest host. I am starting new projects and want to open the space for other voices to come in. Today's show will be divided into two parts, as always. First, we will 
play a couple of audios from cheese experts and judges from around the world. These people are some of the guests who I had wished to bring to the show, but didn't have the time. I hope you follow their work. This should help as an introduction to them. After the break, I will interview Armin Spendian. He is our audio engineer and the person behind the scenes, making us sound great. Armin loves cheese, but does not work in the industry. However, he has helped us record over dozens of episodes. I want to interview him today as he represents the thousands of cheese enthusiasts who don't work in the industry, but are integral to the success of so many companies. Let's start with those audio notes now. My name is Ashley Noel Morton, and I am a cheesemaker and an affineur originally from Manhattan, New York City, now currently living in Annecy, France, which is a small city right on the border of Switzerland, about 30 minutes from Geneva. What does it take to make a cheese expert? All you really need is raw, unadulterated, pure passion. If you have the curiosity, if you have the desire, if you have a sense of mystery and imagination, this world is for you. There's so many puzzles to unlock and pieces to discover. And a lot of us right now are just pioneers on the forefront of it. If you even have a taste or a hint of curiosity, this world is open to you. That's all you need. Soy Beatriz Coste, de Argentina. Trabajo en análisis sensorial de quesos en la Universidad de Buenos Aires y en otras universidades del país. Y también en actividades de difusión de quesos. Tengo un espacio, de hecho, que se llama Quesarte Argentina, cuyo objetivo principal es la difusión de cultura quesera. Ser experto en quesos para mí significa tener conocimientos sobre quesos, queserías, queseros del mundo, también sobre regiones queseras y a su vez la mayor experiencia posible en distintos aspectos del queso como son el servicio, su conservación, su maduración, sobre la calidad de quesos, ir a ver la mayor cantidad de procesos de elaboración de quesos y la mayor cantidad de queserías posibles, vincularse con queseros, también escuchar sus experiencias y la de otros expertos Creo que eso es muy enriquecedor. También conocer sobre la comercialización de quesos. Y en lo personal, pienso que un buen experto en queso debe también ser un comunicador para favorecer la difusión de cultura quesera y así ir volcando todo lo que aprendió en acciones positivas para el sector quesero. Hi, I'm Cecilia Gradi. I'm from Uruguay and I have been the director of Portal Echero for 17 years. Uh, a portal web for dry and cheese makers of Latin America and Spain. We also have a dry training academy. I also work in the diffusion of the cheese culture and I am an eternal cheese apprentice. It's a fascinating world where there is so much to discover. Each cheese has a history, traditions, and a lot of magic. I encourage you to discover it. Learning about cheeses is a festival for our senses. Meu nome é Falco Luiz Bonfadini Araújo. Eu sou proprietário de uma loja da Galeria do Queijo em São Paulo, Brasil, junto com a minha esposa, Márcia Senas Araújo. E, para mim, ser um expert em queijos, eu vou responder do ponto de vista do queijista, que é a palavra que nós adotamos em português para cheesemonger. E para nós é mais do que conhecer as técnicas de produção, as diferentes famílias e saber é, orientar o cliente no momento de consumo, 
também um pouco sobre as harmonizações, para nós é mais do que isso. A gente trabalha... A origem do queijista no Brasil foi justamente para divulgar e difundir a cultura do queijo artesanal brasileiro, o queijo tradicional brasileiro. E então, ele também tem um aspecto social, cultural, histórico, é, muito ligado ao, ao nosso trabalho. Então, é, para o brasileiro, o queijista é um apoiador do produtor e que tenta desenvolver o mercado para poder trazer benefícios sociais e econômicos de uma maneira mais, é, mais acho que mais dinâmica para o país todo. E claro, então é importante fazer esse elo entre o produtor e o consumidor, porque o, muitas vezes o produtor a gente ele não tem acesso direto ao mercado. O Brasil é um país muito grande, então a gente acaba também criando essa possibilidade em termos de logística e divulgação e apoio para desenvolver rotas que até então não existiam para fazer o queijo circular pelo Brasil todo. Claro que para isso também a gente precisa criar legislações que, que possibilitem isso. Olá, sou Genesis Pinto, chismonger em Peru. Ser um experto de queso é mais que uma labor, é criar um vínculo com o queso. Es conocer sus características, diferenciar los tipos de leche con la cual están elaborados. También conocer los procesos de elaboración, los cuidados y todo lo requerido para garantizar un queso idóneo, con sabores maravillosos y texturas únicas. Hello, my name is Jessica Fernández. I am Mexican. I was born in Mexico City. I have been living here most part of my life except for um, two years that I live in Playa del Carmen. I am a Mexican cheesemonger. I started working with cheese uh, seven years ago with lactography. Um, I didn't knew it was going to change my life then, but it, it definitely did. What it means to be a cheese expert for me is the opportunity to have created my own path sort of speaking. I am consider myself an expert because I have been learning for the past seven years from friends, family, and cheese expert that had opened me the doors. I believe that being an expert is really something that you have to keep constantly evolving, teaching yourself, uh, learning new stuff, having the curiosity to do more things. Part of my job also in the past two years have been kind of creating this curiosity and extending some of my knowledge to other people. So I believe that it must be a constant search for growth personally and on a community level. I think that and you put together all these minds, hearts, and knowledge it really is a movement and it, it, it has no boundaries. It has no, um, you know, it's international, it's welcoming, it's really diverse. Hi, my name is Mansi Jasani and I'm a cheesemonger and cheesemaker from Bombay, India. According to me, passion Patience and perseverance are the qualities required to be a cheese expert. A great passion for cheese 
never-ending patience to make an aged cheese and the perseverance and tenacity to do so consistently. Hello, my name is Ruth Nasano. I'm agriculture engineer, master in quality of land products, and I work by Canadian government in Spain. In my opinion, to be a cheese expert, on one hand, means a big responsibility, and on the other hand, uh, a marvelous pleasure. Uh, not only we have to know how to taste uh, cheese, the procedure, but also we have to know everything around the cheeses, the method used by the cheesemaker, the different brief of uh, castle, or the environment where they are, and the consequences in cheese. In my case, as I have been testing lamb products like wine, cheese, or sisal during more than 20 years, I really recommend people learn how to taste cheese because they are going to enjoy and admire the more the cheese around the world. Some of the audios we played today are not in English and I have not translated them to encourage you to find someone to do it for you. I hope this will encourage you to find people in the industry who are not primarily English speakers and engage with them. There is a lot of knowledge out there, and if we continue to only engage with the information that has already been translated, we will stop growing as a community. Now, a word from our sponsors. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Conte Cheese Association. Conte Cheese Association represents the Conte PDO, Conte Protected Designation of Origin in the USA. Conte is a raw milk cooked pressed cheese from the Jura Mountains of France. There, every day, 2,500 family farms deliver milk to over 150 local cheesemaking facilities, or fruitiers. This milk must be transformed into Conte within 24 hours of milking to preserve the lactic microflora in the milk ensuring the cheese's aromatic potential. About 105 gallons of milk are required to craft a single wheel of Conte. Conte takes time to acquire its flavors in the affinage cellars. After eight months of aging by dedicated affineurs on average, each wheel of Conte is graded and shipped to market. No wheel of Conte is the same. Its flavors speak to the pastures where the cows grazed, the season in which it was made, the particular craftsmanship of the cheesemaker, and the time spent in the aging cellar. Therefore, every wheel of Conte is unique. Learn more about Conte, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at Conte-USA.com. That's C-O-M-T-E-U-S-A.com. It's the final stretch of 2022, and HRN needs your help. Our goal for the Winter Membership Drive is to raise $30,000. Become an HRN member with a donation of any amount, 
at heritageradionetwork.org donate. Through creative, educational reporting, storytelling, and live events, HRN delivers thought-provoking exchanges about the real issues affecting our global food system. Your donation also supports our internship program, an essential part of HRN's work that educates the next generation of journalists. Donate at the $90 level before December 31st, and you'll receive a limited-release HRN t-shirt designed exclusively for HRN members by artist Chema Scandal. When you become an HRN member at any level, you'll be the first to know about special events and get news updates created only for Food Radio Insiders. Help us meet our end-of-year fundraising goal with your tax-deductible donation. Go to heritageradionetwork.org donate and become a member today. Welcome back. I would like to introduce you to my guest today. Armin has been working for the Heritage Radio Network for over two years. He's one of the audio engineers making us sound great. Welcome to the show, Armin. Hi, Carlos. Thanks for having me. Sure. Armin, like many of us, had to pivot to online working at the start of the pandemic. During this time, he has recorded and mixed dozens of episodes for Cutting the Curd, but also for other shows in the HRA network. From experience, I know that he is carefully listening in the background, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to interview you today. Armin, first, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Where do you live now? Sure. Uh, well, I, I'm originally from New York City, and I actually still live not far from where I grew up. Um, and I, I currently am working in audio, and I work at HRN as an audio engineer, um, helping to record the podcasts and editing and publishing and all that good stuff. <laughs> cool. How do you decide radio was your calling? Um, it's funny. I was at a media school in college, and I was I was originally studying writing, and I wasn't really feeling much momentum behind it, and I was. At the time, I was really into music, and I'm still into music, but at the time, I was pretty into music, and I was listening to um, some radio programs, and I realized I wasn't so happy with um, what I was doing at school, but that I, I went to Ithaca College, and I, it occurred to me that there's you know a good media school at Ithaca College, um, so I just decided kind of on a whim halfway through uh, my college um career to switch majors uh, to television radio production at the Park School Communications at Ithaca. And it definitely, uh, it was the right choice. I've, I've learned a lot since then. It's been fun. Nice. Um, do you have a ra favorite radio show at the Heritage Radio Network? Uh, it's hard to say. Um, I mean, I, I want to say Meet in 3 because I helped, I used to help work on that and it's just such a great program for rounding up so much important information about food and community and just a great way to learn about things that you might, that might not ever occur to you going on around the world of the food, um, the food world. Totally. I agree. It's a great show and I encourage other ones to listen as well. Do you produce that show? Do you still help edit and audio engineer that show now? 
I haven't worked on it in a while, um, but the last thing that I had done for it was last year, and I had helped to make a, uh, it was around when the cicadas were um, kind of taking the north, or rather the east coast by storm, and I helped to make a little um, piece of music um, using uh, sounds of the cicadas that I recorded. That's great. Um, I would definitely go back and listen to that recording. What do you think makes a great host of our food radio show? Um, I think that I think that there are three um, three things that make a great host. The first is obviously finding um, the right guests and finding interesting people doing things that are you know pushing boundaries uh, in whatever they might be pursuing. Um, I think the second thing is a host obviously who listens and is um, willing to take the conversation wherever it might go. Uh, and honestly, Carlos, give me a second to come back to the third. Um, sure, sure. Don't worry. It happens like that, you know, thinking on the fly. But um, so let me ask you my next question, which is what other projects are you working on that are, you know, you mentioned that you were in music and I saw that in your profile, but I also know that, you know, you mentioned that you work on TV and, or, you know, that you went to school for TV production and radio production. So I would love to hear what other projects are you working on? Uh, well, I'm, currently mostly just working on personal music projects and um just kind of i if you were to look at my public uh <laughs> profiles you'd think that i i hadn't put anything out in a while but that's because i'm sort of working on a new direction and i'm working on a um on an album actually it's been a little while but i'm still slowly but surely working on it so that's what I, that's my main thing I'm working on. Uh, other than that, um, you know, just, I've been cooking a lot at home with, uh, my girlfriend, um, as just for fun and, um, <laughs> to try and save a little money and not eating out as much. Totally get you on. I, I, you know, my brother-in-law also is a musician and I know that putting together an album that you feel confident about and also, you know, doing all the work from, you know, production and recording and everything takes a long time so uh kudos to you and we will be very happy to hear whatever you have ready when you have it <laughs> uh this uh note about you cooking a lot is a perfect segue to what we are talking about today which is cheese so are you ready for these cheese questions yes i am okay so let's start with some easy questions where do you buy cheese um, I mostly buy cheese from Fairway um, and Trader Joe's, honestly. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big Trader Joe's fan. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, I'm sure they'll be very happy to hear. Maybe they yeah. can become a sponsor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so tell me what cheeses you buy. First, what do you buy for sort of everyday cheese for yourself and your girlfriend? So we... Um, there's this sort of almost like a line of cheese going on at um, Trader Joe's right now called Unexpected Cheddar. It's, it's like a, a cheddar with um, Parmesan notes, and it's just really, it's addicting, you know. It's, <laughs> it's something about it um, just keeps you coming back for more. <laughs> nice. Um, 
I, I haven't tried them, so I'm gonna go look for them. Uh, you know, I'm gonna be in the I'm gonna be in the U.S. over the the holidays, so I'm gonna go and look for it. Um, second, what what cheese do you buy when you have to do something fancy? Either bring it to family, or you know, you have people over. Hmm. It, do you buy the same, or or do you go and you know f- try to look for something that you either heard on the show or you know something else? I haven't really gotten out and looked into the the more interesting um world of you know smaller cheese uh, producers but i definitely i want to go to um well i i actually recently was at chelsea market and i saw um saxo cheese for the first time and I'm, I'm meaning to go there and see what they have because i actually was thinking of bringing some wine and cheese um for you know holiday gatherings to my family uh, mostly because it's tasty but also because i have no idea what else to get people <laughs> <laughs> it makes a great present actually mm-hmm. and then you can tell them all about you know probably the person that that made it has already been in the show so that'll be amazing mm-hmm. and my third question is what cheese have you bought and would not be buying again? Oh. Not to put you in the spot, but, you know, we want to know what <laughs> some of people are not doing as well. <laughs> okay. Um, well, let's see. Um, I I don't think that I'm ever going to buy craft singles <laughs> ever again. Yes. We <laughs> not, to sh- not to shame craft singles or um, – but – Especially after um, recent episodes of Cutting the Curd, um, talking more about American cheeses, I, I definitely am going to look into some more authentic American cheese moving forward. Fantastic. I'm sure you have made a lot of people very happy with that comment. And don't <laughs> worry about craft. They're never going to be a sponsor, so you can yeah. say whatever you want about them. And I think they're fine without my business. Probably so. <laughs> uh, so... Did you grow up with cheese? Did you was cheese something that you know was in your house when you were growing up, uh, or or was it uh, you know something that you know was always there but never, you know, it was more in you know the cheese slices or you know nacho cheese that kind of thing. So my my parents both my dad and my mom both love cheese, and my stepmom she loves cheese as well. Um, but ever since I was very little, I remember my dad. Uh, my dad and my mom both loved Jarlsberg cheese. And I remember when I was little, my, my dad would come home and, um, and I'd be like, uh-oh, because I'd, I'd know he's home because I'd start smelling that cheese. And I'd be like, uh-oh, dad's making one of his stinky sandwiches again. Um, but growing up, obviously, my palate has refined more and I came to appreciate, um, you know, my dad always kind of, having interesting cheeses in the in the fridge um even if i didn't even really know what they were but you know especially (laughs) my my stepmom um she lived in france so she's um you know she likes she likes to bring out like a cheese uh plate after dinner um that type of thing you know or if there's if we're having people over she'll make a nice cheese plate um so yeah I've, i've there's been cheese around me definitely Nice. And so tell me, what is what was this stinky cheese sandwich? I, I'm so intrigued. <laughs> it was it was Jarlsberg, and um, it was I think it was like salami 
and some kind of relish, but it was just like super pungent. And being when I was little, my I was very I had like um I was very limited in what I liked to eat. I I remember I would one of my things that I would say was no green things because I refused to eat anything <laughs> even remotely uh, resembling a vegetable. But you know, they got the vegetables in me somehow. <laughs> are you are you still anti-green or are no, you eating vegetables no. now? <laughs> no, that it's funny. Um, now this is a whole tangent, but I I don't know. I was reading this whole thing, and, and don't nobody quote me on this because I don't have any statistics to cite. But um, something about how kids who were pickier eaters when they were little um, are more likely to have a a more diverse palate when they grow up as opposed to somebody a kid who is forced to eat stuff that they didn't want to. So I'm grateful to my childhood of dino nuggets and hot dogs because now I can try out real food and enjoy it for the first time. <laughs> Amazing. I've never cut a dino nugget. So I'm, I'm <laughs> learning all sorts of things here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, okay, so let's move into some serious questions. now. Um, you have had the privilege to listen to a lot of very influential people in the industry, not only in the interviews like everyone else does, but in the sort of like planning and, you know, the sort of background. But as an outsider, some of these conversations may feel a little bit odd to you. Which topics have you been the most surprised to learn about in the cheese industry? Um, I think that what picked my interest was um, the conversation about around raw cheese and um, just what you're able to do with raw milk. I mean, bef before recent, um, before listening to recent episodes, I really didn't even know that you could consume raw milk. Um, but just knowing what people are doing and like all the different products that people are making from cheeses to butters um, with raw milk and like the different um what it sounds like the different kind of really unique flavor expressions that you can get from that. That's, I think, what's most interesting to me. Definitely. And I'm so happy you said that because I have spent so much time talking about it that mm. I'm happy it is getting through. Um, the, so the next question is, you know, there's a lot happening in our industry. You you know, you hear it and you probably see it also, you know, a trader yours, that a lot of things are happening. Mm -hmm. um, what, but it sometimes feels, at least to me and others in the industry, that sometimes we're having a conversations sort of here inside of the industry and then people outside don't care. Um, what will be your sort of take on like things that you have heard here that then on the other side you're like, mm, I don't know that that's actually so relevant to me and, and and it's not that it's not interesting but it's just that it's not so relevant um you mm. know to, to a regular consumer you know to someone like you who you know are buying cheese for like the everyday and not think about like who is making this cheese every day you know you know for uh, and the purposes of that yeah i don't know i i can't th i can't say that i i've heard anything that i thought wasn't relevant i mean it's i think that there's um or at least in recent years, uh, there's sort of a slow consumer awakening and, you know, a gradual sort of um, awareness coming to people that our food systems are important and 
they're complex and that we should be paying attention to what goes into them because it goes into us and <laughs> and it also you know it has to deal with uh, everything from the environment to people's well-being and I don't know I don't I wouldn't say that there's anything that I haven't found to be relevant and I think that listeners I hope that listeners also feel the same way I mean I think I I think that it's all relevant information in today's day and age that's great. I'm I'm happy to hear that. You know, sometimes it just feels lonely on the other side of the mm. radio. So, mm-hmm. um, do you do you get the sense? You know, because you listen to so many of the other shows that you are, uh, you know, recording. Do you get the sense that these similar conversations are happening in other industries, in in other aspects, um, or or are we all living in our own sort of silos of information? Oh no, I don't I don't I don't think that. I think there's definitely some like intersectionality to a lot of the issues that, you know, that cheesemakers and then other f- food producers are are um facing and I I'm definitely hearing similar conversations all around from producers to people on the business side of things and different fields in the food world, but you know, it's it's just an it's an interesting kind of tricky time right now so everyone is kind of I, I get the sense a lot of that industry-wide that things are being reevaluated from um, how best to produce stuff uh, what consu- what consumers are buying what they want um, but it's definitely it's definitely not isolated to just cheese yeah, no, definitely. Everything is changing really fast, and I think we're all facing some of the same issues. What are the some uh, What are some of the key messages that you have sort of heard resonate in you know in the in the cheese cheese podcast and in other podcasts that you are like, oh, this is actually something that everyone is having this discussion about. That's a tough one, Carlos. Um, <laughs> no worries. It's hard to think, it's hard to think of one common thread because there's so many sort of issues that are kind of interconnected. Um, but I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't have a good answer for you on that one. No, don't worry. I think, I think that actually speaks to a lot of the, of, you know, sometimes it may feel like we're not talking about the same topics, but we are, and, you know, we should, you know, this intersectionality that that you mentioned before is important, but it is also important that you know we kind of have a sort of sense of what is happening. And I think that that this is a good example of of that. Um, let me let me finish this part of the questions with a, sort of a larger question about the role of um, sort of radio and media in the food world. You you know you are on that sort of uh, juncture in which you know, you're creating with all of us a product that it is connected to food, but at the end of the day, it is actually just media and it lives in a completely different environment along with Twitter and Facebook and everything else. Do you think that this sort of um, you know, radio, 
mostly, but maybe also TV, um, still are relevant when so many things are happening in social media and, you know, when so many people are paying attention mostly to social media as opposed to, you know, or maybe not. But that's my feeling that not so many people are listening to the radio anymore as opposed to, you know, people, you know, seeing TikTok videos or whatever it is. Yeah, no, I definitely think that radio... Um... Radio is still important, uh, especially for, you know, being informed in the food world. I think that, you know, there, yeah, there's definitely a saturation of media and messaging and information from sources, you know, not so reliable and from all over the place, sometimes completely made up. But I think that, you know, programs like what we got on HRN and you know, just educational stuff like that. When somebody really cares about a topic, they're going to they're going to want to seek out the the highest quality information. They're going to want to seek out people um, who are authorities in the subject and people who are authentic and you know trustworthy. And that's why I think that you know radio is important still and programs like the ones that we have on HRN are important because it offers, you know, listeners all around the world a chance to get real information and dive deeper into topics they might not have even known they would be passionate about. Um, and there are plenty of jumping off points to learn about so many different um, facets of the food world that I think that radio will always have a place um, in not just the food community, but just in general for the world as a, a source of reliable information and, and, you know, also entertainment. Yeah. No, I hope that you're right. And, uh, and you know, that actually there is um, more radio being produced at the moment, more access to many people with different voices. And that hopefully it is, you know, people are seeking better information and that's where we fit in. Um, that That is wonderful to hear that you also have this, this feeling. Um, let me just go back to two questions about cheese uh, before we end today's show. Um, the, my, my question is, have you... You know, you hear about producers, you hear about cheeses on 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 this on this show. What is um, what would you like to hear when you know we're you're hearing these stories from these people to make your experience more complete? Is it that you know we are sending you know the cheeses out to the to you know people's houses so they can taste it, or that we are telling people where to go buy that cheese? What will make that sort of experience of listening to a story from someone, listening from you know what they're saying, and connecting to that sort of cheese sale or or that cheese experience? Uh, well, I think Cutting the Curd is always doing a good job of um, making resources known to listeners, um, but I definitely think that highlighting uh, ways, places around, say, the city or um, around the country that people can go to um, to support the the more you know smaller mom and pop cheese producers um, I think that's definitely that would definitely be um, something to 
to keep keep doing and keep putting a, a, a sort of spotlight on them and keep um, encouraging listeners to go out and maybe try um, some cheeses that they would not have um, necessarily thought they would um, and, you know, get out of that craft singles mentality. <laughs> <laughs> And um, my last question is, um, is there any cheese uh, trivia that you, or you know, something that you hear that, hear that you now go and say, you know, when meeting people or, you know, use as a, as a piece of trivia that, that otherwise you have not known? Um, it's definitely that Comte cheese is a very special cheese produced in a the very special Jura region of um, France. That's definitely my my piece of trivia that I remember, especially after Kara gave me some Comte, and I was like, wow, this is special. And now whenever I hear the um, <laughs> the, the Comte ad, I'm like, yep, that's that's for real. <laughs> that's really coming from coming from some some cows in France. I love this. I think this is the best way to end this show and this series of episodes. See people, you if you come and, and sponsor us, uh, you know, that ad ends up having an impact at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. Well, thank you, Armin. I want to to uh, thank you not only for all of your work that you have done behind the ground, behind the scenes, you know, to make me sound good and all of my guests, but also for everything that you uh, do putting the show together. Of course, Carlos. It's a pleasure, and thanks for having me having me on today. Thank you. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, today is my last episode. I have loved being a host, and I hope one day to have my own show in Spanish. My work as a host has been mostly voluntary. As many other roles I have had in the industry, being a volunteer and donating my time has been has given me the independence to be frank in my ideas. The, the industry needs to continue evolving to ensure small producers are viable in the future. Today, big dairy companies, as well as venture capitalists, threaten the diversity of products in the market. Distributors and importers are increasingly focusing on cheeses that are mainstream. If you're a buyer, think about this when you see a selection and ask for cheeses from different regions, different producers, but most importantly, from small operations. If you are a cheese influencer, stop rehashing information created by marketing companies or your sales reps. We are in the golden age of cheese research. Many people are ed educating themselves, and we need to platform those who are engaging with new information. Without that diversity of ideas, we will stop advancing and end up with the most basic cheese that appealed to the average consumer. Thank you for listening. Remember to follow me on Instagram at Carlos Escas and know that and to know what is the next for this show make sure you follow cutting the curd and the heritage radio network online thank you and goodbye cutting the curd is powered by simplecast thanks for listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe